know anyone named Cheverly. I only thought I did. And she bothered me. A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. Today I'm recording the final podcast of our series in the book of Philippians. We're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 9. Now, somebody might be freaking out, thinking, wait a second, why aren't we doing Philippians 4.13? One of the most quoted verses in Philippians, if not the whole Bible, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, the reason I'm not going there is I have already recorded something about that in Season 2, Episode 5. That podcast was entitled, Hey Kenny, Give Me a Handshake, about a clown at gunshots. If you haven't listened to that yet, I'd encourage you to do so after you finish this one, which will bring a little bit more closure to our series in Philippians. But for now, let's read chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. We'll definitely get to the second half of these verses where we're told not to be anxious about anything because that's such a great reminder. But before we get there, let's not go too quickly past verses 4 to 5, where he writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Rejoice always, Paul says. And he says it again. Rejoice always. Don't you love that he's writing this from prison? I do. Less because I'm glad that Paul's in prison, but more because I'm grateful that someone can testify that they can find joy in the Lord, even though their circumstances don't warrant it. Let's think about that for two seconds. Imprisoned, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. He had said it already in chapter 1, verse 18, He was rejoicing that Christ was being preached. The Philippians were all worked up because they were questioning the motives of those who were preaching. And maybe rightly so, maybe not. But Paul was in essence saying, guys, let that go. You can't know their motives anyway. Only God can. And personally, I'm choosing to rejoice that Christ is being preached. Paul said it again in chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it's a safeguard for you. Wait, what? They were getting used to him being able to rejoice even while he was in prison. So the phrase, it's no trouble at all for me to write this again to you, that probably just was like, oh yeah, for sure. We know it's not any trouble for him. But what might have jumped out to them was, wait a minute, why is this a safeguard for us for him to write that? What does he mean safeguard? 
The word translated safeguard could also be translated confirming. Rejoicing is a safeguard because it's confirming in their minds that when they focus on Christ and not on their surroundings or circumstances, they would be renewed in their hearts and minds. Peace would come to them. It was cyclical. You choose to rejoice in the Lord and you'll be able to rejoice in the Lord. Choose to rejoice in the Lord and you'll be able to rejoice in the Lord. The odds are that as this letter after it was written by Paul, and it was carried back by Epaphroditus to the people meeting in Lydia's home, the church at Philippi, 10 years after Paul was there, odds are as they were reading it, they themselves were undergoing persecution as well. However, they weren't to focus on that. Just like they weren't to fixate on, why is that person preaching about Christ? I don't think they should. Instead, they were to rejoice that Christ was being preached. And here too, Paul is saying, don't focus on your circumstances. You will be protected in your spirit if you do so. And Paul, of all people, knew that he could say that. So here, when Paul writes these words in chapter 4, verse 4, he's saying the same thing. Rejoice always. Rejoice. We're going to see how that helps our mindset in verses 6 to 9 in a second. But before we do, I want to look at the phrase that Paul says next. It'd be easy to gloss over it, but it's so important that we don't. Let's look at verse 5. It's tucked right in the midst of these verses. Verse 5 says this, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Other versions say, Let your graciousness be evident. We are to be gentle and gracious. Let's stop for one second. Would either of these words be chosen by you or anyone else to characterize your life? gentle and gracious. If not, why not? We have to remind ourselves of Galatians 5, and 23, where we see that gentleness is actually fruit of the Spirit, evidence that the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. The powerful Holy Spirit who indwells us is gentle and gracious, and because of that, we should be too, and we can be. Why should we be? Paul says that our gentleness, our graciousness, should be evident to all because the Lord is near. Okay, what does he mean the Lord is near? Does he mean like near in proximity or place? Or does he mean near, like imminently near, like he's coming back soon? You can read it both ways, it seems like, doesn't it? And there's a reason for that. You can read it both ways. The Greek word here is in goose. (laughs) Did you like that? I, I love playing when they when somebody pronounces a word for you. Yeah, it's spelled E-G-G-O-S, but it's pronounced and goose. <laughs> it's an adverb and can mean both things. Jesus is near in position to us, and Jesus is near in time, imminent, soon to return to earth anytime. And Paul says, because of this, because of both of these things, we need to be gentle. We need to be gracious. We need to be gracious in God's presence as we represent him. We need to be gracious as we wait for him to return. So how do we do this? Colossians tells us we should clothe ourselves with gentleness. It should be something warm by us, obvious. Proverbs tells us that a gentle answer turns away wrath. How can we be gentle when someone is angry? We can be gentle, give gentle answers. Colossians also tells us that we should be careful that the language we use when we talk to those who don't know Jesus yet, that it's always gracious, it's full of grace, it's seasons with salt, leaving them wanting more, not of you, but of him. 
Quick aside here, many times we are quick to point out the interactions we have with those who don't know Jesus yet. We might be kind and courteous. We might be hospitable or non-judgmental. We might be helpful. We might be vulnerable, accepting, kind, whatever. We not only might be these things, we actually should be these things towards everyone. We should also be very careful and intentional to not be satisfied being known as the nicest people on the block or in the office or at the gym or whatever. We must seek opportunities to give glory to God for the work he's doing in our lives. So if somebody says, you guys are so nice or you have the nicest family, you're always so thoughtful. It could be very easy for us to respond, thank you so much. The fact that I'm nice ever is a bit of a miracle. Jesus has done such a work in my life. I'm definitely still growing in this area. It's also easy at times to not respond in graciousness and gentleness. And then nobody will ever even wonder or ask you about it at all. I know Chevrolet won't be asking me anytime soon why I'm so gracious and gentle. One of my sisters and her family lived in the Chicago, Illinois area at the same time as we did. She and her husband had lived in Virginia right after they got married when he was in, or not right after, but a bit after. She and her husband lived in Virginia when he was in law school at Georgetown. Then they moved to Puerto Rico when he clerked for a federal judge down there. And then they moved to Illinois with their little girl by this time when my sister was pursuing her PhD in linguistics from Northwestern University in Evanston, Illinois. My husband and I moved to the Chicago area right after we got married when he was attending seminary in Deerfield. We stayed there three years for seminary training and then an additional three years serving in a church in Lincolnshire after his graduation. All of this to say, my sister and her family and myself and my family all lived for a few years in Chicago at the same time, which was super fun. In fact, there was a span of time when we lived side by side. We lived in these side-by-side two-story apartments. Our addresses were actually 1113 and 1113 and a half Waukegan Road in Deerfield. We could step out of one place, reach your leg over to the other person's threshold. So in the winter, there was no need to even put on shoes when we went from one person's house to the next. It was awesome. Our baby monitors also worked from one house to the next. So we could hang out in the evenings and on weekends and stuff after the kids went to bed. I panicked about that at first, but then I realized, actually, we are closer to this than when I would visit my parents and put the baby monitor upstairs, and then I would go outside there. Eventually, though, just in case anyone was panicked, I had to add that. Eventually, though, we each moved away from those places, and then we eventually moved away from Illinois altogether. We went to Minnesota first. I remember sobbing as we drove away from them. Kenny had taken the twin boys with him in the moving truck, and I loaded up our daughter and youngest son and fell behind in the station wagon. I guess we, I was thinking, oh, we're never going to live near each other again. And so this is so sad. And actually, so far, I've been right. And I, but I did probably overcry. My sister graduated. She and her husband and two daughters packed up their own moving truck at one time and went to Maryland. Where my sister took a job at the university there, my brother-in-law worked at another extension of the firm he'd been with in Chicago. They hadn't been there but a week or two when I got a call from my dad. We were in Minnesota. We had had some friends over for dinner. We're just hanging out, playing games, when the phone rang, and I ran to the other room to answer it. After I said hello, he immediately said, your sister has been in a car accident. 
she's at the such and such hospital. Her husband is with her. And then he either said, don't call the hospital tonight. Or he said, you don't need to call the hospital tonight. I'm not sure which. I know for sure I don't remember what he had said. And I know I couldn't ask or he'd tell me again not to call. I have no recollection of what was said next. It just seemed like we talked too long before he eventually hung up. What I do remember is that as soon as we hung up, I decided I was going to call the hospital. Just for some perspective here now, this was pre-smartphones, right? No Google, just 411. Do you remember that? I had a youth group kid ask me what 411 stood for not that long ago. She was like, why do people say, do you want the 411 on that? Or here's the 411. I told her, well, that means information. So this is what I told her in case you're wondering, maybe actually. Used to be called our information number. So now 411 is just a synonym for that. Here's the way it worked. If you don't know, back in the day, if you needed someone's phone number or address, you would go pick up a phone that was attached to a wall and either dial or push the numbers 411 and then you'd wait. Pretty soon a man or a woman would answer the phone and say, information or directory assistance, how can I help you? And then you'd tell them the person's name and what city and state they live in and then you'd let them know what you needed. They would look the number up for you and then would tell you what it was. At this point, you could either write it down and hang up and call, or for a little extra money, they would connect you to that number directly. I think around this time, it was like five free calls a month or something like that. And after that, you had to pay. So back to the story. I hung up with my dad and I immediately dialed 411. A woman answered and said, can I help you? I told her I was looking for my sister who was brought to a hospital in Baltimore, Maryland after her car accident. I went on to tell her that I wasn't sure what the hospital was named, though I was pretty sure I would recognize it because I think my dad said it, but I'm not for positive. She seemed a little reluctant to help me or at least doubtful that she could. I remember she said, we have a lot of hospitals and without knowing which one, it would be a little tough. It might take a little while for you to find the right number. I said, oh, I don't care. My sister's in the hospital. Could you tell me the name of like a couple of them, like a hospital in Baltimore? And I'll tell you if it's right. I don't remember exactly what it is, but I will probably maybe recognize it if it's familiar. I said, if not, just, just please just keep trying. So eventually she says one in Baltimore. I was like, yeah, no, that doesn't sound familiar. Could you keep trying? Because I really want to get a hold of her though. So she tried a second one. No, that's not right. And a third and a fourth. No, no. I was getting frustrated and feeling a little bit panicky, but I also didn't want her to stop helping me. So I tried to stay nice. Did you hear that little misguided graciousness? That's totally spot on, though. Let your gentleness be evident to all so you'll get what you want. She tried once more. I said, no, that's not it. And then I had a little epiphany of some sort. I thought it would be super helpful. I said, oh, wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. I think the hospital, yes, it did. It has two names in it. Like it's something, something hospital. It's not like Saint something. It's like two full words. I'm sure I'll remember. I'd remember if it was Saint something. It wasn't Saint something. My dad works at St. John's Hospital. That probably would have rung a bell if he said St. something, but no, it's something, something hospital. She paused for a bit, kept looking, and then I shouted, oh, wait, it's Prince something. She was clicking around a while, like really clicking. Not like the fake clicking noise they have nowadays when the recording says, just a minute, we're checking, clickety, clickety, click, and you're like, I am so not fooled by that. She was really clicking, clicking on something. And honestly, she was sounding, starting to sound a little pretty impatient. I was thinking, man, considering my dire circumstances, she should be more patient. And then she said, is it Prince George's Hospital? Yes, that's it. 
I said, oh, that's it. What's the number? She said, I'm getting it. Then she let me know the area code. Okay, it's 301, da, 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 da. I'm like, oh, awesome. Thank you so much, ma'am. And she said, oh, by the way, it's Chevrolet. I was like, what? And she repeated herself. It's Chevrolet. I said, oh, okay. Miss Snippy, I thought. Thanks so much, Chevrolet, I said, as I hung up too fast. I dialed the number then, anxious to get a hold of my sister. It rang and rang, and then the operator picked it up. She said, thank you for calling Prince George's Hospital in Chevrolet. Oh, my goodness. I couldn't laugh. I couldn't feel stupid. I was still too focused. Eventually, just because I didn't want to leave you hanging, but I also don't want to tell my whole sister's story. I will say this. Although her car was totaled, and she would say it probably saved her life because it was such a great car and we have such a great God, she recovered fully. We're all super grateful. She's fine. But I wasn't able to talk to her that night. I didn't even know who I did talk to. As I look back, I can't even remember the details. I don't know. Was it a nurse or my brother-in-law or a secretary or somebody? I do know that I called again the next day. And when I was finally able to talk to my sister, it was pretty great. Why this story though, right? Why this story today? Here's why. As I was reading through this passage in Philippians, and as I was thinking on, let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near, this story popped in my head. I remember thinking I was so snotty to Chevrolet all those years ago. I remember wondering, why was she so insistent that she not be called ma'am? And that instead, in the midst of an obvious crisis, she thought she should make sure that everybody knew her name. I assumed the worst because my mind was focused on my problem and my situation. If I'd remembered that the Lord was near, not just near me, but near my sister and near her family, maybe near this woman not called Chevrolet, if I'd remember that the Lord had wanted my gentleness to be an identifying marker of his presence, would I have responded differently? Maybe. I wish. What do the next verses say? Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God wants us to give our concerns to him. And when he does, when we do that, when we give our concerns to him, he blesses us with peace. He guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. This peace that transcends all understanding is given to us. And then we can respond in gentleness. Huh? <laughs> if I pray, if I let God know my requests, if I choose not to be anxious and instead give him everything and trust him with it, he has a gift for me that will go in anxiety's place. It's peace. It's a peace that is strong and sure, a peace that transcends understanding. In other words, it can't be explained. It doesn't make sense. It's a peace that can make sure that my heart, my mind is settled on Christ. Again, peace as explained in Galatians 5, that comes as fruit or evidence of the Holy Spirit within me. God gifts us with peace so that we can be gifted with gentleness because the Lord is near. Should I be doing something in this process? I think so. I think under the power of the Holy Spirit, what we're supposed to do is in the verses that come next. Finally, brothers and sisters, Paul writes, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. 
And then he says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. How does Paul know that? Because he's put it into practice and he recognizes this palpable presence of the God of peace with him, even in the midst of his imprisonment. What could we possibly think about that meets all the criteria in this list? May I suggest we focus on Jesus, on who he is and on what he's done. We focus on the good news that he came and lived and died and was raised again and is coming again someday for us. We focus on the fact that he is all we need to live this life, walking in the peace he wants for us. And as we do so, as we trust in him, as we rely on him, as we focus on him, we will be able to let our gentleness be evident to all because the Lord will be near us and we will be near him and we will be wanting others to be drawn to him also. Let us live with gentleness, with graciousness because the Lord is near. Let us not be anxious. Let us give everything to God with thanksgiving that we can trust Him with it. Let us focus on Him and think on Him. And as we do, we will be able to rejoice always. And again, I will say, rejoice.